0: It's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. On 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Shields gets
2: it again to Smith. The Burchill from range. Got it. Grant Burchill from a step inside 50 and it's a joyous major having waited so long to fight his way back into senior footy. Let's see if it can produce a goal from Mason Wood. It's straight. Is it far enough? It is. Tick all of the above. And North Melbourne had their first goal of the night. It's taken 26 minutes. Not a bad kick. Brown off the back. Hooks at a goal. Needs a bounce. Got it. They have an absolute measure of control over this now, North Melbourne. Guides North in the brown direction, he's well said. Protect the drop zone, Zebel runs into the open goal. It's all celebration for North now, as they mark 150 years in existence.
1: 27 down, they'll win by 22. And Reese's is the word at North Melbourne. His first night as the official permanent
3: coach. And the Kangaroos triumphed by 22 points
1: over Alistair Clarkson's Hawks.
4: Yeah, it felt a little bit different, actually. You know, that first quarter felt different. We just didn't have our sea legs there for for a little bit. And to Hawthorne's credit, they came out firing and and they made us look a bit silly there for a little bit. But to the boys' credit, they they fought back and and fought back really hard. And, And we played our brand of footy again, which is really pleasing.
2: Reeshaw's first night of permanent occupancy delivers a stirring victory as the new era at North sets up a historic weekend of celebrations. Coleman Metal Threat Ben Brown is our headline guest.
5: We started really well and it's been a little bit of a pattern. We just haven't been able to maintain
6: that for four quarters. You know, we can do it for one quarter or two quarters. That's a sign of where we are as a side at the moment. we've showing some signs of some younger players coming through for us which is
5: which is pleasing but yeah we're just in that pattern at the minute where we just can't get four quarters of good footy together and put enough scoreboard pressure on the opposition
2: as hawthorne's finals chances slip away the conversation turns to the hard decisions ahead
6: captain ben stratton joins us
5: reese has been an outstanding leader in his time at the helm and we are delighted to make his appointment formal today.
7: I'm ever the optimist and, and potentially a little bit reckless. It probably goes with the way that I play and all that kind of stuff, so I'll be, I'll be heavily pushing to play.
8: We've lost some games of footy, and it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, an easy one to throw out there, oh, we've lost the players. I don't buy it. Today I'll be announcing my retirement from the game
6: that I love so much. I'll spend half my life at the footy club. I'll be forever indebted. At
9: no stage do you have the... The conversation that you must tell me whether I'm keeping my job or not. I mean, that's just totally incorrect.
2: And a feisty week sets up multiple flashpoints this weekend. We'll debate the key issues and be joined by the forgotten man of football, Joe Danaher. This is the round 20 edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50 and the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway, garlic bread Triple cheese melts and fill. So North Melbourne's a club gathering on mass across this weekend, and they gather under the veil of victory at quarter time. I wonder how the decision makers were feeling—just a little uneasy. Maybe Rashard said it felt different. It all panned out in the end. A 49-point swing in the game, and it sets them on a path towards an open day at North Melbourne and then the unveiling of the best players of all time tonight. It would have
5: gladdened a kangaroo heart. David King, good morning. Morning, G. Morning, Derm. Morning, listeners. It was a fantastic night for the Kangas, really. I mean, they've been under a little bit of pressure for the process, but, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to gotta find a way to win. You've got to arrest the slide. They'd lost the previous three, and... Yeah, there was some tensions. I mean the questions started to get asked. If he'd lost his first three games as caretaker, would he be in this position? He's he you know, went on and did what he did at the start. But this is it, this is the start of twenty twenty for me. Kane Corns
2: watched with impartial eyes. Kane, good morning. What did you make of it all?
4: Uh, I thought it was a pretty good performance, particularly after quarter time. Just thought they were able to stifle Hawthorne's ball movement, didn't they? Particularly after quarter time, that the Hawks just weren't able to get their uncontested game going and 22 uncontested marks in the first quarter and just 40-odd after quarter time. So a terrific performance. I just want to pay tribute to Sean Higgins last night. I just thought it was... A game that shouldn't go under the radar. A couple of his clearances from throw-ins at full pace, at full tilt, were as good as I've seen this year. And I thought... That third quarter one, Kane, was
6: extraordinary, wasn't it?
4: It was unbelievable. I thought value for touch last night. I mean, guys have had bigger numbers, but he had 28 last night. Two ineffective from 28 possessions, and they weren't safe possessions either. So a couple of goals and... Um, ten score involvements. I, I just think he's 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 a star of the game, isn't he? In, in every sense of the word, I think, and he's been a great recruit for them. But his game shouldn't go under the radar last night. And we'll speak to Ben Brown about that. He was also influential, but Higgins was outstanding. If
5: you're a believer in AFL player ratings game, which we are, I mean, it's it's the new aged um, super coach points, if you like. It's the deeper yeah. dive into. Efficiency and your ability to win the ball contest or win it back—it it basically then talks to how you use the ball, which is the primary, the primary um, relevant stat really when you're when you're evaluating a, a player's performance. Higgins had 25 rating points last night, his career high. So he's mm. played some serious football, this guy. Yeah. And, and that was his individual most effective and best mm. performance. So so he stamps everything you've just said. And I think what it does do, it highlights the fact that when you haven't got Sean Higgins, Kangaroos have only got two or three players with that sort of class. Yep. Mm. They've got a lot of guys that are nose to the grindstone and as honest as the day's long, but they can't do what Sean does. And I was probably more thrilled to get back to where you were a moment ago with Taron Thomas. Taron Thomas did some things last night.
6: His sideways movement. Yeah. Is something that is very difficult to deal with at the stoppage.
5: Yeah, and he just sees the game differently. They see space, they see holes, they threaten gaps and open up you come out the front of a stoppage instead of coming out backwards and, and yeah. the long way around. So Which puts the back opposition back line immediately under pressure. So he's he's in my opinion, he's just gotta he's gotta attach himself to Sean Higgins and drain every bit of information out of him over the next 12 to 18 months, however long Sean yep. plays on for, because he he showed that he's going to be the player they hope
6: it's a question for you, Jude you're probably better in the know. How do the Bulldogs feel about Sean Higgins' form? Because he gave them glimpses at the Dogs for years, but he was never this
2: player. So he belongs to the previous regime and, and what broke down there. Uh, and I just think they gave up on him. So they always had him forecast as A-grade talent and capable of, of being one of the elite in the comp. And then just through the back end of the McCartney years, it broke down. North were overjoyed to be able to pick out a player like that, believing that his best footy... And there was just it. an
6: if with the body.
2: Yeah, and, and probably the faith. So he probably suffered from what he came to understand as a lack of faith. Um, from those guiding
5: him at the Bulldogs, he was yeah. the biggest beneficiary. Uh, is it Steve Saunders, Cornsy? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, he's he at was, Adelaide now. Yep. Steve Saunders was unbelievable for Sean when he first came. Just he had a different physical program, and it didn't really—it wasn't as much crash and bash, or real test the body stuff. It was more, let's get you out on the track for every session of preseason and go from there. And if you wind up that you're 89% fit at the end of it, not 100, well, we'll take that and we'll just get you to round yeah. one. He's, he, he's a footballer, isn't he?
6: Yeah, the uniqueness with, with Sean Higgins is you mentioned they don't have those yeah, exquisite ball users. Well, I've got a couple you know, coming through. You've just mentioned one of them, Thomas. But the thing is most of those exquisite ball users predominantly play on the outside of all the traffic. Mm. Sean Higgins is one who can start within the traffic and still use the ball beautifully, which is a unique talent. And only, uh, I mean, Chris Judd is another one. And mm. Judd probably didn't use it as well as Sean Higgins. He's, let's be, call a sport a spade one Different of the greatest way. of all time yeah. and, and, and one of the best of all time. But those players who are beautiful by foot don't necessarily start right in the middle of the traffic, yet he does. So he's quite unique in that regard. I was rapped for Cunnington and, and Zebel. after quarter time. Reece sure he said, let's put all that behind us at the quarter-time huddle. That's what he told us. Um, I got the feeling that Cunnington was a little insulted that the kid from Hawthorne... Warpool. Warpool might have just... Out Cunnington to a couple of those boys at the stoppage, and they they might have been stung into gear because at one stage
5: he was assessing a fine, I think, at one stage. <laughs> He's thinking, this this nearly might be worth number six for the year.
6: <laughs> a little a little drive by. need something here. Yeah, but at one stage when it was four goals to none, Hawthorne had eight clearances to three. Mm. Warple had five of them. He did. And it's extraordinary. <laughs>
2: It's really extraordinary. To Kane and to Kingy. So the re appointment, I don't think anybody's second-guessing the appointment. The only questioning was around the process. The process ultimately doesn't matter if you get it right. Um, winning is so important last night because I think it probably ends that conversation. It'll get revisited in a couple of years' time when, in hindsight, the judgments are made whether re was the right
4: man. Well, I, I remember sitting at the Etihad Stadium when the news was about to break about Brad Scott, and and Kingy and I were discussing the list, and and I was a bit down in the dumps about the list, and and Kingy said, "Well, hang on, it's not that far away from being a good side," and I, I think you're right. You are right, Kingy, when you look, look when you look at it in terms of the coaching aspect. Unless you're there, it's hard to comment, and you'd have a better insight into it probably than me. But yeah, you know, I, I second guess how thorough has it been, and who have they spoken to? But if you've got your guy and they're really confident of it, then I don't see any issue with it. But, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, time will tell. It's hard to comment unless you know exactly the process that they went through. But, Kingy, you might be able to shed some more insight on that.
5: Not a, not a hell of a lot more, to be honest. Uh, they made 100 a, a phone calls. They, they made a lot of calls. And I think it was from the starting point of, well, you know what, we're pretty happy with Rex. So throw the throw the net out, cast the net Talk to whoever you want to talk to. There's no doubt they would have, they would have been happy to sign a, a Clarkson-Simpson-Longmire. That, that was, the, that was the, the, the aim at the start of the whole process. If we can get one of the big three, terrific. If we can't, well, you're back into the mix of a lot of those play, um, people in the, in the race are known products. You know, talk about Ratten and Voss and a couple of others that, that have had jobs before, so that's easy to get information on those people. They aren't. Those people are not going to sit through an interview if they are starting from a disadvantaged position. Mm. They're
4: just not going to do that because it's too hard for them to get that second opportunity. Kane. So, Kingy, you wrote uh, the day that he was announced, was it uh, Tuesday, uh, might have been Thursday, uh, and you said the reason that he was appointed, or one of, is because he's the complete opposite to Brad Scott. At least that was the headline. I'm not sure you exactly said that yeah. in your quotes. Can, can you explain on that and what you meant by that for us? Now,
5: it was a broader conversation about whenever a coach is sacked for a reason, the next appointment is almost the complete opposite of what you had. It wasn't really about resources. You mean the caretaker? No, the actual next coach. The okay. next, It's generally the polar opposite of what you've had, because it, it hasn't worked. It's broken down for, for a reason. I think. I think Brad will get another opportunity to coach, but I think Brad needed a break. I think the the, the ten years at the Kangaroos at, at the end and the review will reveal a lot of information that that's probably not known at the moment. At the end, it was a bad marriage. And, and it's, it's come at the right time. And I think that he set Reese up pretty well to take over. They're playing some reasonable football. I mean, they beat the Dogs here on Brad's last day in a really good game of football. Um, they smashed the Dogs. Dogs come back in the last quarter. So Reece picked up a pretty good program. But I'm not worried about Reese in this last four weeks. I'm really not. Mm. I want to see what he's doing at round 10 next year. I want to see where, where the game plan's at. Are you cutting edge tactically? Can you win a different way? At the moment, they are bashing teams into submission yep. and, and playing what we call skinny side of the ground. The game lives in contest. There's no switching. There's no open play. There's no fastball movement against the Kangas.
6: They're they playing are, country football.
5: They are. They're playing it the, very, basic. very good at
6: it and they're very
5: powerful. So if he's the man, well, let's wait till next year and see whether this basic model has levers to go to.
6: As an extrapolation to that, I mean, and you don't want to rain on the parade because he's doing incredibly well now, but you have to ask what ifs. Mm. So further to your statement of a couple of years down the track, if in that time they have been ready to progress forward as a team and what you've got now is a terribly, terribly honest band of footballers playing an honest brand of football, as you say, it's straight lines, it's kick it, Win it at the contest, bash them up, kick it forward again, win it at the contest. Unless there's something absolutely perfect about switching direction, do not do it. We want our players to bash and crash and get to the spot where they can bash and crash. So it's a very basic game plan. At various stages, where Tarrant Thomas and Simpkin and and they might attract another couple of beautiful ball users, when they are ready to go next level, this is the what-if. What if, oh. what if Reese isn't the player who can take them into that game strategy? Now, I don't want to rain on the parade, but that's that's the but question. But that's unknown, isn't it? That, that's an unknown. Yeah, so that's and a, way and that's to 40 games time from now. But it, it, you need to actually keep that reserve, that question in the back of your mind, But right now, he's doing absolutely everything right because he's actually worked out, what's my team, my best 22, what's their DNA? And he's worked out who they are, and he's worked out what it is, and he's put in an absolute game plan to go hand-in-hand
5: with that. Does the end justify the means, Jared?
6: I think so.
2: So I'm a bit of a believer. So the only purpose of the process is to work out who's our guy. So as long as you knew exactly what you were looking for at the start and he blew your socks off, I'm okay with that. For me, I would run somebody else through just a benchmark just to make sure, oh, I just want to check this against this, the building of a program. So what does this look like against another vision of the building of a program? But that's um, that, that's probably just the way my brain works, just to absolutely satisfy myself. But I just think they got their, their wording, I think, was wrong. They shouldn't have used exhaustive. They mm. just should have said, hey, hey, Once you've seen what we've seen, hey, there's no need to go any further than this. He's our man and we're going to entrust our future to him. And we may have just found the next great coach. In fact, more than
6: that, we think we have found the next great coach. You'd get a bad name in the football world if you ran somebody next to him. I know of coaches who said, I'm not going for that job. Yeah. And uh, 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 um, Rodney Ede, when he was uh, um, looking to coach again, he got interviewed by Richmond. He said, I don't know why I went there. They always wanted Terry Wallace. Yeah. So and then he went to Adelaide and he said, I don't know why I went there. They always wanted Neil Craig. Yeah. He so, I mean, said, so all they did was run me up the flagpole twice. He said, well, why that, would I go yeah, to those people? In that people? case, they made it look like too close
2: to shop too early. It is to, yeah. to genuinely get through that. Is After about five weeks, it was perfectly obvious that Reese was getting it. So that's okay. I as, think, I say,
5: as long as... If this pans out, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. You're spot on. But I, I do think the hunt for the next great coach is always a fascinating discussion. Is it someone mm. we've already seen before? You never really know what Sam, you got. Is it a Sam? The mystery around Sam Mitchell yeah. fascinates me. Is, is he the next? You know, Reese may be that man. Everyone
2: thinks Mitchell is. So we have Ben Stratton, the Hawthorne captain, coming up, and Ben Brown, who's suddenly making a charge at Jeremy Cameron from the Coleman medal and was instrumental in turning that game last night. More of Crunch Time after the break for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for sub-life at Subway. Try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Round 20 started with a 22-point win for North Melbourne, a 49-point swing in the match after Hawthorne made a dynamic start in the opening term. The skipper Ben Stratton is with us on Crunch Time. Ben, good morning. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. How quickly could you feel the game change after quarter time?
8: Um, yeah, obviously, it was a good start, um, especially on a Friday night against a team like North, so up and about, but I reckon that they got their last goal of the first quarter and it probably just gave them a little bit of confidence going in. And I think we'd kicked 4-4 four, four or four goals, five. So we probably thought um, foolishly that we should have been more ahead. So that probably
2: played into it a little bit. Did you feel like you never really got the game back on your terms after that?
8: Yeah, we like, we still able to play some good footy in the second and third quarter. Um, but I suppose we could just always sense that they were, they were getting on top and. Um, in the end, they just overrun us, and it was only a matter of time. But um, that second and third quarter, we still able to play some good footy, and it's been a bit of a tale of the year. We've played some really good footy in patches of games, but then fallen away in, in important parts. So that's something we've got to work on going forward.
5: Been bad luck on last night. Are you a watcher of football? Do you do you find yourself catching uh, parts of the replay or anything like that once you once you've got home and relaxed a little bit, or are you just do you move on?
8: Um, no, I. am i move on, yeah, especially on a Friday night game. I just like to enjoy the weekend and have a bit of time away from the club and a bit of time away from, um, from footy and, and uh, do all your research and, and your tape on the Monday, Tuesday. So, yeah, I like to get away from it a bit. He surfs, Kingy. He surfs, does he? Yeah, he surfs a
5: lot. With the Zimmer frame, I've heard a lot about these 30 pluses, Ben. There's eight of them last night. Do, do you see Do you see that experience in a game last night as an advantage, or, or something that something that uh, is just made of so much with outside of the, the Hawthorne Football Club? Um, yeah, look, I
8: think it, it definitely helps, especially in big games and especially in close games. Um, but then again, you need those. Younger Whippets coming up to the younger boys because sometimes the old part's um, a bit down on energy or whatnot and we we need those younger boys to give us a bit of a lift and a bolster in that that sense of the term.
5: When when you look into the middle and see young James Warple doing what he did in the first quarter last night, does it give you you a a real buzz? And do you get to him at the breaks to try and drive him to to put the four-quarter performance together or how does that unfold?
8: Yeah for sure he's a he's um he's had a super year and um probably uh, along with another couple of their young midfielders um Sammy Mitchell's probably helped those boys a lot um learn their craft and he's probably taught them a, a little bit of what he was able to do back in his day but um yeah I suppose he he was coming in last year and playing good footy but yeah probably not putting together 4 quarter performance now he's playing consistently at a high level um throughout the whole game so He's still only 19 or 20 years of age, so the growth is still massive and and, uh, he's got a lot of good footy ahead of him. Hey, Ben, Derm here. Uh, Bad luck about last
6: night. We're talking about the experience or the uh, um, the age of the group. If you look up into your forward line in the first quarter, as you say, they kicked 4-4 or 4-5, I think it was, um, and you've got a desperately young group of target forwards up there. Apart from uh, Jack Gunston, you've got Mitch Lewis, Connor Nash, who've played less than 30 games between them. Tim O'Brien, who is a talent but never really cemented his spot in the team. They're your three key forwards and they're desperately young and they did well in the first quarter. What's what's the vision for them?
8: Yeah, I suppose um, going forward with them, it is getting them to play consistent four-quarter footy and and when you're young like that, you can have a ripping quarter and then you think maybe it's going to happen, unfold like that in the second or third quarter but unfortunately AFL, the way it is, it um, never happens that way and you've got to stay on mentally for four quarters but having said that, their last four or five weeks um, has been outstanding, especially Timmy O'Brien. I, I know he did play last week because of his foot but um, him, um, Mitch Lewis and, and Nashie, it's about playing consistent footy at the, at the high level like like Walts has been able to, able to do. And, that, and they'll learn that over time. And Nash is obviously just playing a completely different game. So that might take him a little bit longer.
6: Now, I, I had a look at Mitch Lewis last night and I was at the, the privilege of going into the rooms and uh, didn't get a chance to say hello to you and ask you how your surfing's going. Sorry about that, mate. But I saw <laughs> Mitch Lewis... He strikes me, and he played a brilliant first quarter. He was so powerful, and they were almost powerless to stop him. He strikes me as a kid who's going to end up Tom Hawkins big.
8: He's he's got a big frame on him, on him for sure. Um, And yeah, he's he's a powerful unit, and uh, he's probably still learning his body, and he's going to get definitely bigger and. He's definitely got the uh, the full forward or centre-half forward strut, so um, he'll, he'll be right down there. What's he need to do? Um, we had four weeks of really consistent footy and then um, dropped away a little bit. So, as I said before, it's just about that consistency. Keep growing his body, keep learning off blokes like Gunners and, and even Ruffy, who's still there, has been mentoring him a little bit. Um, just soak up as much information as he can and and um, not rest when he had a couple of good games in a row. Just um, keep working hard and, and uh, yeah, he'll, he could be anything. Can I ask you, and I've got a feeling
6: i got it, that, you know, you lost a, a soldier a couple of weeks ago and and uh, I think it was Isaac Smith went into the back line to cover and he he stayed there. How do you see him as somebody who saddles up next next to you, uh uh, and playing in the back line. I thought his first quarter was fantastic, but then under siege once again for the rest of the game, things went awry. But uh, how do you see his conversion to a backman?
8: Yeah, Jarman um, Impey is a, against Geelong was a big loss for us. His, his run off half-back's been awesome. So we just needed someone else down there with a bit of run and leg speed and, um, and a big leg as well. So... And it's handy as a left-footer as well because we've only got um, a few left-footers down there at the moment. Um, but yeah, he's obviously hasn't played much game time down there, so we're still teaching him. And I think um, for himself, um, his season so far on the wing maybe he hasn't had the season he's after, and a bit of a change has probably helped him. He's he's loving it down there. He um, just wants to learn off the boys, and um, yeah, we need his running carry off halfback for sure, and. Um, and he'll be looking to do that probably for the next few weeks. And it'd be handy for him to play two positions, wing and half-back. We've always been pretty good at that, at the so, horse. Um, so if you've got perhaps
6: the, the game's best running outside, outside running winger in, in Smith, who can play back flank, you've got Scully and you've got Henderson playing the best football of his career, would be right up there in Best and Ferris. Is there space for another nippy, agile, hard-running winger who might be looking to come home? Is there, is there too many wingers?
8: Um, I don't know. It's a good question, Dem. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have the power running on the outside with those three guys you mentioned, for sure. Um, but I suppose that's what we've been good at over the over the long period of time is having boats that can swing half-back when you do have three or four wingers on the field. Um, but, yeah, we're not going to say no to any running power or... or do you though, want them to sure. change
6: chase Brad Hill?
8: Oh, I'd love to see Hilly come home, to be honest, yeah. I saw him a couple of weeks ago when we played Tassie, and, um, yeah, I didn't mention it, but just having a chat to him is, um, yeah, I just sort of, sort of miss the way he goes about it, and we'd love to have him home, but who knows what he's going
4: to do. Ben, as captain, are you consulted about which players the club should pursue?
8: Um... Oh, here and there, yeah. It's um, more just to get our opinion, but I don't think what we say either way, unless it's something really drastically um, urgent or something that we um, think. I don't think it's going to sway the recruiters or whatever either way, but, um, yeah, every, every now and then we're consulted.
4: How aggressive do you think the club will be?
8: Um, I think we've always been pretty aggressive, which is good, and it's an exciting time. Sort of trade period and draft time, and um, yeah, we've got Graham right there who does a fantastic job. So um, I like the way he goes about it, and um, I don't know I think he's slightly aggressive would be nice.
4: And does D- Jared Ruffhead deserve a farewell game?
8: Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's probably something to think about with um, only um, a few games left for the home and away season. So um, yeah, it's something we'll probably. Ask uh, the coaches, and I, th- I think um, if we're out of finals, then I think definitely it's been such a, such a contributor for the club over a longer period of time, like 14 or 15 years, and I'm, I'm all for the farewell game, but it's not up to me, so um, that's something we'll have to decide
2: it feels like though you should have a say in it that the senior group in particular having shared so much of the journey with jared would you go to the coaching staff and say we feel really strongly about this
8: yeah i think um that's something we'll have to have a chat to them about and um i'd say that would probably be the direction we'd go and um those blokes there that have played 10 plus years working with anyone for 10 plus years a long time and you become really close with guys and um, yeah, I'd, I'd dare say that um, we could go down that track, but um, that's a chat with the coaches and the and the fitness staff and stuff like that. Would you love to play with him just one more time? Absolutely, he came he came back um, a couple of weeks ago. I think a month ago he played in the ones, and I was uh, I was injured and I was I was spewing so. I'd, um,
5: I'd definitely like to play with him one more time. Now we keep throwing the coach up for every job that's available <laughs> or potentially available at the moment, Ben. Does, does Alistair ever talk to you and say, privately and say, "Listen, you're the captain. Just let this permeate through the group. I'm going nowhere." Have you had that chat? Has, has he mentioned anything to you about the, the constant speculation? Um, no, not really. Sort to of leave that um, up to him and.
8: Um, yeah, if you ever have any questions, or he's pretty open book. You can go ask him. But um, no, nah, it's something that we sort of stay stay clear of and um, just concentrate on on footy really. And if he's got something really urgent to say, then he will. But um, no, nah, it's pretty uh, pretty low key. Ben, appreciate your time this morning. Good on you. No worries. thanks guys. Ben
2: Stratton, the Hawthorne captain, there's we'll go back through that after 12. There's a little bit there. Ben Brown's about to join us. Russell Barwick from Unibet, get footy fill ups every week at
1: unibet.com.au. Russ, G'day, Jared, good day, everyone, and uh, interesting game of footy this afternoon. The swans at GWS, we'll get to that shortly. First up, though, the Bombers, short price favourites as they have been for most of the year. Punish just love the Bombers, they're a dollar fifty three. Port Adelaide, two dollars fifty, and the line uh, around about the fifteen and a half at the moment, but that'll come in as we get closer to the game. You'd expect one hundred and sixty-six, the overall number, and most punters are charging into that. Surprisingly, it's been a big go that the uh, game will be a high-scoring game, and in fact, there has been a sprinkling of the bombers to win this forty-plus at four dollars and forty cents. You've got all the uh, markets for this one. On the website. GWS a dollar thirty five to take care of Sydney three twenty. Everything turned on its head uh, over the last sort of twenty four hours. No general Nick Cameron and uh, young Iden making his debut for the Giants. Forty plus in this game, and many think it'll be a bit of a blowout, three dollars thirty five. Later on tonight, Geelong Richmond, Adelaide all short priced favourites as you'd expect. And in the cricket, now England a dollar twenty eight, the draw into seven dollars fifty and Australia at $7, starting to get a little bit of interest because if they take a couple of wickets, they do get last shot with the spinners on the final uh, day and a half if we go that far, depending on weather and whatever else happens. So a little bit of interest at the Aussies at $7, but the website is unibet.com.au. You download the app. You gamble responsibly, and you have a great weekend, Jared. Thanks, Russ. Get legendary
2: tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. So from what Ben Stratton told us, the Hawthorne skipper, the players will go to the coaches and ask them to give Jared Ruffhead a farewell game in the last three weeks of this season. We'll discuss that after 12. After the break, we'll have Ben Brown with us who can lay siege to the Coleman medal while Jeremy Cameron sits on the sidelines. This is crunch time for Honda and Subway.
0: On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch Crunch time. time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill.
2: The circle was all of club and today the club's thrown its doors open to its members and to the public. The Kangaroos have the open day at Arden Street with facility tours, merchandise sale, player signings and the VFL game at 2pm ahead of the big dinner tonight to mark 150 years of North Melbourne. One man who was instrumental in making sure the celebrations came on the back of a win was Ben Brown and he's with us on Crunch Time. Ben, welcome. Hey mate, how are you going? Very well. Take us to the quarter time huddle. What was re- Shaw's approach.
7: Um, oh, he probably just came out and said we weren't quite doing things the way, in the way we'd want to. Um, you know, obviously it was it was probably a bit reminiscent of the couple of weeks before, and the way we were defending and the way we were moving the ball. So, just needed a few tweaks. We knew what we had to do, um, and it, you know, worked out a lot better the next three quarters. But yeah, it was definitely we were definitely struggling a little bit at first. He said it felt a little
2: bit different last night. Did you see anything different in him at any stage in his approach?
7: Uh, not really anything different. Um, you know, I, I think he, he puts on a pretty, pretty brave face in terms of uh, around us. So, um, you know, it's a it's a, it's a really positive thing, and he's just been great for us at the at the footy club. And I think he'll make a great coach.
4: Unbelievable scenes in the change rooms after the game. With there must have been eighty staff in the song who initiated that.
7: Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. I I got in the got in the circle to sing the song, and suddenly, yeah, like you said, there are a, there are a few people in there, which I think is fantastic. And you know, I think it's a I think it's a sign of what we're trying to build at the club too. I mean, it, I think a, a, a big reason I love being an All person is the community aspect of the club, the family aspect of the club, and we're building a big family, and, and that's one of the reasons I love being a being a kangaroo.
4: That no, was outstanding. Now, the coach paid tribute to your performance last night. Do you keep an eye on the Coleman? You must.
7: Ah, uh, no, not really. I'd try not to. I suppose you you always kind of know where you're around where you're sitting, but um, you know, we've got a few games left of the season, a few tough games left of the season. So all I can do is try and play my role in the team and you know, there's a few weeks where I'm getting on the end of them. But a a, a good thing about our team now is that We've got the likes of Cam Zerhar and Nick Larkey and Mason Woodhurst uh, standing up and kicking goals as well, which, you know, makes it easier for me. So, um, you know, I think part of my role as, a, as a, one of the senior players in the forward line now is to make sure that uh, I'm guiding the, the younger players on the side, particularly the younger forwards, and bringing them into the game as well. So I don't think I'll be doing my job this whole too much on the, on the
4: common Medal. Brennan Goddard earlier on in the year was critical of a couple of your efforts for milking a free kick, if you like, and Wayne Carey was uh, critical a couple of times, saying you needed to be stronger in the contest on the coverage last night. Are you conscious of that, and is that something that you're aware of and and you're conscious of? Oh,
7: I was was probably conscious of it earlier in the year, and it's definitely something I'm always looking at. Um, As a 200-centimetre player, sometimes it can be, a little bit harder to keep your feet, and I've, I've always been a little bit arms and legs, um, you know, when I was a kid. So it's definitely something that I, I look like to work on. But you know, I I just try and focus on playing the best footy I can for the team. And you know, I, as as I said, I can, I think you've you've always got strengths and weaknesses in your game. I think there are times where um, I can try to be stronger in the contest, but um, I definitely don't go in trying to. To get free kicks, that's something I've never even considered. So, um, you know, I just keep on working to try and be the best player that I can be for
4: the team. And you're out of contract at the end of 2020, which seems a long way away, but it's not that long when contract negotiations bob up. Have the club approached you about extending your stay at North?
7: Uh, Not specifically yet, but, um, you know, I I think that that'll be something that we'll look at um, in due course and my managers all across that. Um, got, a, got a good manager out of Melbourne, and he takes care of me really well, and uh, the club does as well. So I'm really happy as a North Melbourne
6: person, and yeah. Ben, well done last night. Um, fantastic, uh, the, a bag full of goals for yourself. Can I ask you about playing as the key forward in the team, North Melbourne? We were chatting here about how, if anything, the games become a little bit more simplified under the new coach, Reece Shaw. What's it like to see the ball coming in predominantly in straight lines? How do you have to alter anything, or is it does it once again may, uh, make it a situation where it's simplified and you just have to play in front?
7: Yeah, I don't think I don't think too much is played for me. I think
1: going
7: forward um, it's easier when the ball's coming a bit quicker, and I think that's probably one thing last week against against West Coast that we just you know we went a little bit slow. And last night against Hawthorne, we were just able to quicken the pace of the game a little bit, which always makes it makes it easier as a, as a forward, um, you know, hitting up with the ball. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an exciting time to be a forward, as I said as I said before. You
9: know, we've,
7: we've got a we've got a building forward group, um, you know, which we've been trying to do for a few years. And again, the likes of um, you know Tanzerha uh, and and Nick Larky, etc., who are coming in, uh, are certainly making my job easier. And uh, I think we're building something good. And we've got a we've got a young side in. We've got a, a bunch of young players who are coming through, and it's really
6: exciting to be an player at the moment. The boy Larky is such a competitor. He's been fantastic. Can I take you back a couple of moments? And you mentioned oh, at quarter time we we came in, realigned, and we just tweaked a few things. Upskill us.
7: Tell us what the tweaks were. Well, I suppose Hawthorn, the way Hawthorn plays is they, they love to get the ball through the through the corridor, particularly from the contest. So uh, there were a couple of times in the first quarter um, you would have noticed uh, then that they were just able to get the ball particularly out of stoppages and and break through the middle of the ground. And so that was something that we wanted to, to take out, um, which is probably specific to Hawthorn. So I think we were able to we were able to do that. Um, for the for the majority of the time for the, the following three quarters and and also as I said um, probably just looking to quicken up our ball movement a little bit um, you know and we, we we're again able to do that and and I, and I suppose taking control of the suffrages as well um, you know the the likes of um, tunners and and Higo in there were able to get their hands on the ball and a lot of the time. You know, uh, you talk about upskilling A lot of the time, uh, footy just does come back to winning the ball in the contest. And if you yep. can do that and get the ball forward, um, it certainly makes it makes it easier. And if you're if you're defending less, so you know, uh, a lot of the time it does just come back to the simple things. You win the ball, you're more likely to win the game.
6: So the, in that first quarter, was there a little bit of sea ball, hunt ball? We're all in at it a little bit hard, and there was a little bit too much space to the outside where. Hawthorne were able to move away from the contest.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And they're such a well-drilled team um, that you know over the, over a number of years they've, they've built up a really solid um, system and, and how they go about their, their footy. And you know that's really hard to play against, particularly if a couple of structures uh, break down around our, around our stoppages. And that's probably what happened in the, in the first
5: quarter a little bit. And so it was good that we were able to pull it all together the following three quarters. Ben, enough of the team stuff. Let's get back to the individual. <laughs> uh, Start talking like a full forward David again, please. King. I'm not happy with this. It's, not, it's uncommon for a full forward to, to not say, kick it to me and let me win the Coleman. <laughs> You're five behind. The, the current uh, leader is going to have a weekend off at least one, maybe two, with a calf injury, Jeremy Cameron. You've got Melbourne, Port Adelaide and Geelong. Last time you kicked five against Geelong, three against the D's. Go on, say it. Easy kills, David. I, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm thinking he needs to call a meeting with the coach. Now, when you have a look at what Lynch is doing at uh, Richmond, they went to him 21 times last week. <laughs> They're only going to you with them. They went to you 14 times last night. For you to win it, you're going to have to call a meeting. A special meeting <laughs> and say it's about me for the last three weeks. <laughs>
7: I might leave that to you, Ki. I might, I might get you to uh, to give that call to shore and see how that goes. Down.
5: He's a defensive coach. I, I, I got nervous for you when I heard that he was a defensive coach.
6: You need a bit of Maddie Richardson about you, Ben. Like I want you to drop your head and just slowly shake it side to side when they don't kick it to you. Make out you got the sooks and you're just gonna not talk to that Get player for the rest out of, of way. it.
5: Yeah. Garner, what's Garner doing in the way? Call the meeting, Ben. All right. Done, (laughs) (laughs)
2: done. Hey Ben, thanks for playing along, Um, and good luck for what's to come in the remainder of the season.
7: Thanks very much, guys.
2: So they went to him 14 (laughs) times. He kicked four goals, three. So it's not not the worst strategy, Jared. Not enough scoring half the time they go to him. Yes, go to him more. Ben Brown, open day at Arden Street (laughs) today. Get down there if you've got the Kangas close to your heart. We'll dissect all of that on crunch time after the break for Honda and for Subway.
0: The award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill.
2: It was a lively start to round 20 last night. North Melbourne coming from 27 points down early to be victorious by 22 points. They join Hawthorne on eight wins. Could either of them find a way in? Probably not. What does it do to Hawthorne's prospects? We will ponder that on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton, David King and Kane Corns. And then cast an eye towards... There's an intriguing set of matches this weekend and the first to go is at Marvel where we are based. That's Essendon and Port Adelaide. Joe Danaher is going to join us in the box. It's the Forgotten Man of Football... Joe, it'll be good to catch up with him and find out what the path for him has been on the injury front and what the course is towards a pre-season to finally get a crack at it. A chance to just look back over the couple of interviews we've conducted so far. For those who have just joined us, Ben Brown and Ben Stratton joined us. So on the Hawthorne side of things, the captain gave us the insight that they will go to the coaches and ask that Jared Ruffhead be given a farewell game. Yeah, something
8: we'll probably... Ask the coaches, and I, th- I think um, if we're out of finals, then I think definitely it's been such a, such a contributor for the club over a longer period of time, like 14 or 15 years, and I'm, I'm all for the farewell game, but it's not up to me, so um, that's something we'll have to decide.
2: It feels like, though, you should have a say in it, that the senior group in particular, having shared so much of the journey with Jared, would you go to the coaching staff and say, we feel really strongly about this?
8: Yeah, I think um that's something we'll have to have a chat to them about and um I'd say that would probably be the direction we'd go and um those blokes there that have played ten plus years, working with anyone for ten plus years a long time and you become really close with guys and um yeah, I'd I'd dare say that um we could go down that track. Would you love to play with him just one more time? Absolutely. He came back um a couple of weeks ago i think a month ago he played in the ones and i was uh, i was injured and i was i was spewing so i'd um i'd definitely like to play with him one more time
2: so that was ben stratton with us kane what's um it now becomes important doesn't it for the fabric of the hawthorne footy club that they follow through and we see jared ruffett again
4: Oh, I think we have to, don't we? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for a farewell game, and I know the club that I used to be at, uh, the club was all for them, and it, it means a lot to the individual and their family, uh, particularly because it's been such a big part of your life. So I, I think that's the least they could do, and I think most Hawthorne fans would be disappointed if they didn't get to see him one last time so they could say goodbye.
5: It's an interesting one, isn't it? <laughs> At the expense of, of who would be the, the, the question, but...
2: So if we, if we want to get really specific, so round 22 yep. in Melbourne against Gold Coast on Connor Nash's form last night, mm-hmm. there's a legitimate way to uphold selection, is there not? And go on form for form. Is yep. Ruffhead actually worthy of that place in that game?
5: And I think how you exit your champions is always... always Um, clubs have trouble doing it properly. And we've seen Hawthorne exit a couple really savagely over the last couple of years. I think it's... (laughs) Not looking at you. It started back with you. Um, But I I think, you know, when you look at the way, you know, Lewis and and Mitchell and and Hodge have found themselves elsewhere, I think this is one they
6: need to get right. There is... And I agree with that. I think fans who... The game's about the fans. You know, they love the game. They make the sport happen. Uh, The players are out there. They do what they do. They're going to play anyway. It's a fan-based game. So you've got to give the fans something. On the flip side, the counter-argument to that is, and I love the fact that this is the way at Hawthorne and, and has always been, they say and they treat it with absolute... They guard it. You only get a game on your merits as a player. I can think of Desmar played 199 games dropped for a grand final he did not, they believed he did not warrant a game on its merits for his 200th now to be lovely milestone our history is littered with players like that, wonderful servants who've missed out on milestone games missed out on exit you know, uh, signature goodbye games but what happens at the end of their career, they can look back at their career and say, played 99 games, played 195 games, whatever it is. I earned every one of them on my merits. And that's the, the, the feather in the cap you have as a, an ex-Hawthorne player. If you have any amount of games next to your name, you earned it on merits. A lot of clubs have been starved of success, and they celebrate their players because they haven't had all that much ultimate premiership success. Hawthorne's been fortunate to win premiership success, so they don't celebrate their players by gifting them games at the end. And and I think it's a nice counter-argument which one's right. There's a romanticism in, in, in Ruffy coming back, but there's also a respect to him. Every game you have got at this club, you didn't limp through a few. Uh, you weren't gifted any at the end. You earned every game you played at this club. So there was a Hawthorne
2: fan in the media who texted me last night when we strayed down this path. He said one of the most fondly thought of games in the Hawthorne fan base is the 2006 farewell game for John Barker at the end which mm. was at the, at the final game of the season against Geelong where neither were playing finals but that did resonate it resonated under the mantra of the, the family club and it saw him out in the right style and when you think about Roughheads place is it, it just sort of feels right I'm, I think there is a way of upholding the integrity of selection for picking him in that game regardless, Mm. rather than
5: it being a a gift. There is a financial component to this as well. Oh, David. From a club point of view, uh, from a marketing point of view. Yeah, so at that Gold
2: Gold Coast Coast game, round 22,
5: there's
2: 12,000 people here if he doesn't play.
5: Yeah. There's 40,000 people here if he doesn't. There's a reason, there's a hook. And you know what? If he kicks a goal, it'll be the biggest roar of all time. It will. It'll be great. Mm. Yeah.
6: You're terribly vulgar. You bring it back to money,
2: no, David.
5: Well, you're going with let's just be ruthless like Hawthorne have always been. Sorry, <laughs> those we, days are gone. Sorry, we so win
2: premierships occasionally. Give us a call on the Star 21 open oh, line. 1-300-736-736. <laughs> Star 21, <laughs> your world's endless possibilities to chip into this debate. Jim's in Noble Park to do just that. Hello, Jim.
9: Hello, how you doing? Good. Good. I'm a Hawthorne supporter for over 30 years. And I, if you could let me feel, go through what I'm going to say. I'm not interested in the sense of if Rufford plays one more game. I'm looking at the whole Ruffhead career and Hawthorne's commitment to him now. I hear how brutal the industry is and it's a business, and I want to just get, take another take to this. Ruffhead plays a sport that he, it's in the sun. He trains in the sun. He plays in the sun. And generally in workplaces, if you're in the sun, like be the club or your, work or your employer is responsible for what happens to you. These clubs are so professional. They know about how much fat your body's got. They know about all your stuff that they do. They need you as a performance athlete. But what the question I ask is, what responsibility does Hawthorne play in the fact that one of their players had a skin cancer then eventuated into melanoma and that wasn't um, seen by the club?
8: Yeah, and I now think so. I, 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 I
2: know the point that you're like, making, Jim, <laughs> but I, I think... Um, to claim any level of negligence on Hawthorne's behalf takes us down a path that, that it is, it's not fair. It's simply not fair on anybody. That, that has been the most perfect partnership from day one, Jared Ruffhead and Hawthorne, and on the last day it should remain the most perfect partnership to celebrate the journey that we've all lived through, so...
5: You'd do it. You'd give him
2: the send-off count For sure, because I believe it for the fabric of the club.
6: Yes or no, Derm? After my argument, yes or I no?
5: probably would. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you. <laughs>
6: I was just giving you the You're count. Solid. We've yeah. got to give up hey, all... Mate, give we've up. got...
4: Don't, don't you start, and Kane? flipping all over the joint. Cornsy, <laughs> where are you? Yes or no? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A 100%. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I just
5: wanted to get out of Derm, to be yeah, honest. Well done. Okay, cool I'm flipped.
2: I think I think Jim's going to give Derm a bit of a clip. So, Hello. I'll, I'll, yeah. Should we? Should we? I think we should. Absolutely. Don't Jim's in Melbourne.
1: Jim, welcome. Hello, <laughs> boys. Um, I, I just want to talk to Dermot, please. Yeah. Yeah. He's here. yeah, I'm listening, Jim. He's here. I'm
6: ready. Hey, Dermot. Yeah. Do you reckon you
1: were gifted any games as a footballer? Because
6: I reckon <laughs> you were when you were at Collingwood. At and Collingwood?
1: And i Jared Ruffett. Jared Ruffett should be given. I'm not a Hawthorne supporter, yeah. but he's a legend and I'm, a champion of the game. I'm tipping that. Yeah. He should be... He
6: should be given another Game Boy. Yeah. yeah. my opinion. So I've been gifted. No, no, Kingy get back to the to other get, bit. Kiggy wants you to get to the Have I Been Gifted games yeah. as a get, footballer? Stay strong, Jim. Yeah, yeah, stay strong. If you can have a go, really make it a good clip. <laughs> Jim's on the Star 21, open line. Your world, endless I'll, possibilities.
2: Get it out of it.
5: I'll, I'll get on the champion data. We'll find out how many that you were gifted <laughs> at the end.
6: <laughs> I'll kick 30 goals for Collingwood. I'll do the rest. From Rooster. 15.
2: That's not gifting, David. That's a good... Just walk me through the plus 30s, Derm. In the category of retire, keep, trade. Right? So, McAvoy? i
6: keep. Burgoyne? I would keep him. Yeah, absolutely. Frawley? Yes. He 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 didn't have a great statistical game last night. I didn't mind. He got scored against two goals when he was trying to assist elsewhere. So, statistically, it looks poor last night. He's had a wonderful month against quality opposition. A Birchall? Yeah, I think I'll keep him. Yep. Smith? He's played eight games in three years. Yeah, mm. we'll get Derm's list first I know, and then but we'll back we over s- it, shall we? we s- yeah. uh, uh, Smith? I, I think you have to keep him. He's a young 30. Stratton? Yeah. Puopolo? Poppy's probably going to struggle to get another season out. So trade or retire? higher? Uh, either end or either. You're talking all about right. keeping, yeah. it uh, has been wonderful, wonderful for the Hawks. And-
2: Henderson's obviously a keep. He's having a great year. Yep. And rough heads a retire. Yeah. So you haven't shown a ruthless edge there at all. Has, has no. he
5: kept too many, Kingy? Well, he, he's... Went, two minutes ago, we went on with, you got to earn your game. <laughs> it's well, hanging on everyone. Uh, any one of
6: them not going to earn their game?
5: <laughs> I, I think the discussion around Birch will, will, be, will get real quickly. Eight games in three years. Uh, has shown that his body can't stand up anymore. And there's no shame in that. But that yeah, yeah, the one player. thing
6: I'd say to that, David, is I think you're starting to see that his body is starting to stand up. You have no backing of a pre-season behind you. You're going to break down at the next level after a couple of weeks. I think he showed that his body movements show that he can actually play the game still. Very good still with play. the football. Yeah, and still I think do things, as long but... as he can get a pre-season into him, I think you've put all this effort into getting him fit again. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and cat ties It's got a smell of Sean Higgins about it, uh, a totally different player and totally different edge, but... You've done all the work to get him fit. I don't think you should lose faith in it now. So, Kane, seven of nine. Durham says,
2: keep it. I can't believe you're all that high.
4: No, I'm not that high. Um, It's a no for Birchall for me. Uh, Fascinating ones as well. Sean Makers is 28, so, um, you know, what they do with him. And then the likes of Bruce is nearly 29 and Isaac Smith, who is also 30. So, you know, clearly they're not retires or or get rid of. But uh, what value and what currency is there available to those because they got some big decisions about their list and trying to get some youngsters in? Is there, you know, is, is there a first-round draft pick for a Smith or a Bruce? They'll explore all of that. So I'm not as uh, interested in the plus 30s. I think it's pretty straightforward. It's more about what do they do to rejuvenate this list and what, who has currency on their current list.
6: So the, with my view to it, see, so you brought up Isaac Smith's name. Isaac Smith, if he'd lost his birth cert and you looked at the way he runs, you'd say he was 24. Yep. He could be a Michael Tuckish type player. He could play to play to 34, 35, and you're sort of saying that. Uh, so yes, uh, are is saying just because he's got a three in front of his age doesn't mean you automatically say the end is near. I did that with Michael Tuck when he got to 250. He played more games thereafter than (laughs) I did, and I was in my first full season.
2: (laughs) That was so good. Um, No, Smith's more interesting as he's their their number one
5: trade asset if they went down that path. The the hardest part for a player like Puapolo is that that position is so replaceable. You get a younger player that's a harassing small forward. Mm. You need to be shooting the lights out to continue on at uh, at 32 years of age. Mm. And you need to be hitting the scoreboard, which we know he doesn't. Yeah, he hasn't this year. He yeah.
6: kicked his first goal last night, I think, yeah. for for some time. Mm. Been a wonderful, wonderful servant, and yeah, I, I think he should be just as as uh, um, uh, just as honoured uh, for his contribution to the club. He's been, for, I think,
5: he's a triple. If they are going to. Player. If they are going to trade their first pick this season, Dan, which Alistair Clarkson likes known products, then I think that puts a bit of pressure on the Isaac Smith position that they'd probably need to get a pick back in, knowing that they lose a quality player. But but again, if they're to get a Brad Hill type, it's, it's, it's an upgrade?
6: Yeah, I know where you're coming from, but the history suggests that Clarkson likes to know what is at his disposal. On the list, he likes to know what they're capable of. And therefore, he's prepared to... You know, you can talk about uh, players who are 200-plus game players and they're 12-year players. He's prepared to let somebody else put the three in at the front end
5: and trade for them. I think his 200th game will be the last game of of the season. Okay. Let's drift away from... the number. If he's on 199, the ruthless Burton will come out again. Yes, he will. Desi (laughs) Ma.
2: Let's leave last night and move into the crunch. I hope not. Uh, With an eye towards this afternoon as a starting point, Essendon and Port Adelaide. What a fascinating case study Port have been during the week. So, Kane, I reckon I could make a case that at every level they destabilised themselves from the chairman to the chief executive and ultimately the coach in their actions and in their words, at a time when they should be stealing themselves to pinch the last place in the eight, they invited first
4: scrutiny, but then instability into their club. And they didn't need to, because it was the other club, the biggest club in Adelaide that was under the pump. You know, everyone was Don Pike, Don Pike, pizza and beers, You know, Eddie Betts being <laughs> dropped. That's the story in Adelaide was Don Pike. Port Adelaide on any other week would have been a big story, but it didn't need to be this week. So... The most fascinating one was the, the the letter to the members from Keith Thomas, the CEO. Now, he is an unbelievable person, um, Keith Thomas, a very deep thinker, a sensitive type. And you know, I think he's just done this letter on the back of uh, himself feeling him bad and, and a selfless act. The club didn't even know he was sending it. So for those that missed it, it was um, him sending a letter to the members. He was telling them to lay all the blame on him. The fact that they hadn't listened to the club's supporter base. And it was a fascinating read. It was interesting. It was bizarre. Um, the, the chairman, David Koch, he he's done that right throughout his his tenure, hasn't he? Jared, he, he's often put his foot in his mouth a little bit and said that finals are bust again. But um, uh, selection's fascinating as well. They're playing against Essendon, who are lightning quick. We know that, particularly on Marvel, when they've gone... Dixon, they go on Laddams and they go on Marshall, who's averaging about eight disposals in the sandfall in the forward line. So, and Dixon's back in. So, you know, how they structure up with that team is is interesting. It, it feels a little bit like panic stations. And I, I am hearing that, you know, that there's pressure and there's some people that are against Ken Inkely inside the club and they're almost barracking for. Um, some bad losses in the last month, which is an awful position for a football club to be in. So
2: this was the week where it was circle the wagons and zero in on grabbing Adelaide's place in the eights And they have a draw that would allow them to do that. Um, so whether it was what the administration had done, I, I was surprised by his selection because it mm. felt like uh, Hinkley sort of shook the team up again at, at the moment where intuitively it felt like You could create the us against the world, and the world includes those in head office. Let's band as tightly together as a group Mm. of players as we possibly can and see if we can feed off that for four weeks.
4: Lyset out's the big one for me. And just the history of the players that they've got from other clubs. Uh, you know, Lysett on a four-year deal, they target him. He's our guy. We're going to have Lysett rucking Ryder forward. And uh, that hasn't worked. Ryder's been dropped this year. He's a recruit. Dixon's lost his place this year. We know the history of Watts. Rockcliffe's been dropped. Motlop's in the Sandful. So the players that they've targeted from other clubs... Is an issue for them, and maybe that's not the way to go. And there's a big lesson to be learnt there. But yeah, I agree with you. It's fascinating to to play Todd Marshall. As I said, he's not in great form at the lower level, but I think Kingy looked at it on your show during the week, Jared. It, um, I think that the stat was one score from every seven inside 50. So something needed to happen in that front half, and he's done that. I guess you can't blame him for trying, and, and we'll wait and see whether they can stifle you know Sard and McKenna and those Essendon halfbacks today. Round 16 last year, they were equal
5: second on the ladder. Yep, equal second. And since then, they've been the most erratic football team you've ever seen. A horrible finish to last year. They lost six of their last seven games, and they're heading down that path right now as we speak. And they've lost four of their last five. They've lost their last three definitely. Um, can't score. Can't can't turn inside 50 into a score. When that was. When you look at the talent on this list, you say, how can these guys not hit the scoreboard? And, and if that's the primary concern, you've traded tra- uh, Chad Wingard, who w- that was his function for Port Adelaide. Mm. So you He's must say, forward, if he, he leaves, yeah. we've got this posi- this area covered. You're not yeah. letting him go if you're, if you're, if you're not sure mm. or if you're um, not backing your club in. I, I think that if they were just to, to fall away again and be humbled today, today's their big opportunity. They lose today, the year's over. And you know what will happen in the last two weeks? It'll just be the same as last year. The year will just peter out into a to a really poor. They
6: last haven't beaten two Essendon since 2015.
5: Haven't been okay. Well, no. Today today's a massive game though. Isn't and
6: it? and every time Essendon's beaten them since that four-year span, they've kicked over 100 points. They kick. Hang on, here's an alternate They kick the sweep against them. They they actually do score really well against Port Adelaide, who uh, as we've seen in the recent past year and a half, two years, have held up teams pretty well. They're just powerless to stop a running team against
5: So, so if you're planning for today, and you join in on this, what's the one area where Essendon are vulnerable right now? They have no ruckmen. Yeah, they have no yeah. ruck. So coming into this game, I'd be saying, you know what, we've got two A-grade ruckmen. Ryder at his best, and Lycett, who played pretty well last week. Now, you can mount a case that he's out of the team on that one action where he went to ground and Jeremy Cameron picked up the ball and kicked the goal in a one-point game. I don't think he'd be so personal as to drop a player for that, but that's that's their decision. But in terms of winning today's game, to dominate clearances and ensure that Essendon do have to come from their back half to beat you is a massive starting point. They've given up that asset through selection. I find that staggering.
6: Mm. So, you're saying what they've done is reacted at the selection table to what they think Essendon's best game is. Essendon hey, Essendon are a quick team out the of ruck. their back line, so let's select a team which is not going to be slow that stands in their way. He's pretty we want, as well. We Ken, don't want too many it? ruckmen.
4: He's, his media conference yesterday, he, I, see, I thought Ryder would have rucked. I mean, he, he's still a very capable ruckman in that position in the competition, but he's going to play forward again, according to Hinckley, and, and Laddams in for his third game for the year. is going to spend 70% time rucking. So, yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, of course, but uh, he's acted pretty drastically, and we'll wait and see. So before we let you go, Kane, the Adelaide side of things, just run the hypothetical for us. What if the Crows lose to St Kilda. Massive changes, I think. See, the coach won't go. The coach won't go. You can't afford to pay out, you know, 1.6 million for two years. So he's there. Not, not that money's an issue for Don Pike. If uh, we're hearing financially, he's okay. Uh, I think he's done pretty well, Don. But um, just the instability at the club. There'll be some four guys for this changes at selection. Can't do a lot until the end of the year. But gee, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot over here.
2: Are they going to trade a critical mass of players? Do you think to achieve yeah, well, a change in dynamic?
4: Well, Jenkins will go. The hundred, uh, I think that is a you know, foregone gone conclusion that Jenkins will go. Uh, perhaps one of the Crouch boys. Uh, for you hearing, if you're believing what you're hearing wow. about the offers coming for Brad Crouch. Well, they're, they're saying St Kilda are uh, going to offer him $900,000 per season. I mean, he can't, he can't turn his back. Great Greenwood will go. Yeah, it's just staggering. That's a report I read this morning. Um, um, and Greenwood will go. That Alex Keith will probably go as well. 28-year-old, he wants five years. Club feel like they've been burnt by long-term deals to Betts and Jenkins. So he could possibly go as well. And we'll wait and see maybe what players they can get back from the Gold Coast. There's a few South Australian lads there. But yeah, it's going to be a fascinating off-season for Adelaide. Um, they need to rejuvenate an ageing list.
6: You might have to. They might have to recruit back Mitch McGovern to get somebody to compete aerially in the forward line.
4: <laughs> well, they got Fogarty, who's coming in tonight for his first game. hasn't been in great form at the Sample, but picked twelve in the draft from a couple of years ago. Looking forward to seeing him play tonight. The South Australian clubs have created their own
5: turmoil mm. through the constant chopping and changing of players and hanging the selection guillotine over some average performers for for a two or three week period, and and. I think they're in a position that they've created right now, and it's 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 their lot. They've got to find a way out of it. Adelaide are in the eight. I mean, we're talking mm. about them like they're bottom four or five, but they're, they're actually in the eight.
6: Kane, in history, and history teaches, teaches us so much, we've seen in Adelaide Victorian coaches who go over there and don't get the job done. Robert Shaw, Gary is... I mean, they had their houses egged and, and rocked and windows smashed and car <laughs> tyres slashed outside their house.
4: What are they like with a West Australian coach? Oh, it's turning. My, my dad wrote a great article in the paper today just about at some point when you are a coach of the Adelaide Footy Club, it turns against you and it's how you mitigate that. So the only way you can really do it is win. the Western Australian coach, he's losing. I don't think it's so much Don Pike. I think it's the authenticity of the football club. You know, the CEO, how transparent they are with their fans, selection calls, um, the way they deal and interact and speak about their club. It's almost the club over one side and the fans over the other. So it's not necessarily turning on the coach. I think they, they rate his coaching. It's more... The club as a whole and the authenticity of that footy club at the moment, and they've got to win the fans back. And the only way they can do it really is, is by winning games of footy.
2: Kane, okay, it's great to have your perspective on crunch time. Thanks a lot. See you next week. The 40 Winks serious about sleep ladder update. Any size mattress at the price of a single at 40 Winks. So North have jumped from 14th to 12th with their win over the Hawks last night. Still a game and 10% behind Adelaide in eighth place, which what makes them so intriguing. Team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 winks. More with Dermot and Kingy after the break on Crunch Time for Honda and Subway.
0: The award winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill.
2: It's the round 20 edition of Crunch Time. The day's footy begins with Essendon and Port Adelaide, and it closes with Adelaide and St Kilda. So two games that are laced with intrigue. Jared Whateley with Dermot Burton and David King as we look towards all that is in store and the key debating points from the week that has been. The key point here, though, is there are late changes and there are late changes. There's a late change in the Essendon side. Sean McKernan is out, ill, and Michael Hartley takes his place what does that do?
5: Oh, he was huge last week, Sean. He took eight marks, six of them contested, kicked four goals. Every time the ball went near him, something happened. And, you know, in a, in a game that was on a knife's edge for 118 of the 120 minutes, was uh, he was pivotal to the to success. They really don't have – this is where I keep coming back to Hooker. They really don't have a bona fide forward target term in this in this not Essendon, without Hooker going forward. It almost forces his hand now. It almost forces John Worsfold his hand to play hooker forward from the start today.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McKernan's the interesting one. Uh, At mid-20s, mid... I think he's about 25, 26. He's an incredible study, case study in football, isn't he? Mm. Never lost out of the system, but never really entrenched himself. Whereas if you blinked and didn't see league football until this year you'd say, oh, this boy's one of the one of the guns. He's one of the gun key forwards in the competition. Yet we're just sort of thinking of him as making his way this season into a lock for a position in in a team, any team. And now the Essendon team, been there for three, four years now. But it's a
5: good case study for, you know,
6: do we piff out? Too many of those ruckman key forwards too early.
5: He, um, we talked about this, Jared, on your, uh, your program on the Monday morning after round three, when Sean McKernan did his hamstring halfway prior to half time, and the coach said, "I just need you to stay out there. Can, can you do it?" And he said, "Yeah, I'll do it. It'll cost me weeks, more weeks on the sidelines, but I'll do it." And they found a way to win. They found a way to beat Melbourne. Now, if they had lost that game, their season was it was gone. Yep. Um, and John has repaid that faith. He said, "As soon as you're ready to go, I'll, I'll play you." That—that's how special an effort that was for me on that day. How do you find out that stuff? Um, oh, you—you you talk to people around
6: around footy clubs. Because that's 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 something that we don't see, and you've got to be in the know. And it's it makes for an understanding between coach and player relationship that that fosters a bond which. Unless you're at the club, you can't understand.
5: And I think what that does do is it gives Sean great confidence that this coach has got his back. And often those players you're talking about, mm. that are good one week, poor the next, and up and down, they have no, they don't think they belong at, at AFL level. Yeah. So to give them the confidence that whenever you're right, we're going to play you, is the reason why you get the returns you're getting now. But this comes back to this ruck discussion again. I mean, Sean McKernan was their, their, their second ruck. He was, he was the guy that was yeah. going in and, and he filling was a forward those Ruckman. eight minutes a quarter yeah. or whatever yep. it is in the in the middle there. So, again, I wonder if Ken had his time again, whether he'd say, gee, let's go with two-gun two, two gun Ruckman and hit him with the one-two punch. Joe Danaher is going to
2: join us in the box shortly. Ab, a little bit broader, is how close do you think David
5: Teague is to the Carlton job? Oh, I, I honestly think they're waiting for a reason not to appoint him. Because there's there's no evidence to say that he's doing anything wrong. He's, I mean, the two games they lost were by under a kick, and he's five from seven. But I, I do come back to the, you just got to you've got to see what's out there. I don't know if he's the best fit for Carlton. Maybe they've got someone else who's the best fit. Maybe they're waiting on an answer from from one of the top guys in the competition, and, that, and that's their right to do so. But I don't mind the way Carlton have done this. You know, Rich. sorry, North Melbourne had their way of doing it and Carlton have got theirs. There's, there's no right or wrong. I don't mind them waiting till the end of the year. Let's look at the full body of work.
6: Well, we review what's been said by the club and not the world's best terminology at the time, but he backed over it and, tried, and, 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 uh, and spoke of what he intended to say and Chris Judd's comments about trainer wheels. You just feel that they did want an experienced coach... Somebody who had done the job before, and that that plays not that person in the in the in the landscape is not there. Perhaps Brad Scott, but I don't think they they've got designs on Brad Scott. So they they're biting. It's almost like they're biting time till the season ends, and see what 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 falls, you know, they what falls out of the pack somewhere, somehow, some 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 player, not player, but a, a coaching card falls out. And until then, they're happy to go along and make him feel very comfortable that with a, a real chance of getting the shot. Do you think
2: that he's a realistic chance of getting this job, Jim? I do, and I don't think that's how it started. So I think what he's done so far has made him a realistic chance. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. It's just let's see. That he might be completely irresistible in a couple of weeks' time. Just, just let it run its course. It's highly unusual that... It, a coaching appointment gets made within a season. So North Melbourne is so far the outlier in here because it happened early and they've said... There's no rush. There's no rush. Let it play. It's full. If they end up with seven out of nine,
5: well, blimey. And to call a spade a spade, things were that bad before he got there that there was always going to be a level of improvement. Now, five out of seven, we didn't expect, but but I would have backed him to win two or three. And that's a long way from four from the previous 40 so there was always going to be some sort of spike. It's, it's, it's in the losing as well. I don't think they'll beat the West Coast Eagles this week. So if they run them to a couple of goals, I mean, they're contending for a premiership. That would be a significant uh, moment. Boards are scared of being seen to be um,
6: inadequate at their task that they are set. They, they hate any... For, a club, for clubs that can make decisions and captains of industry, they're not the world's best at suffering any form of criticism, so they have to be seen to in, even in their own eyes to be doing the absolute right thing uh, by their by the, the football club. Does it make it easier on Carlton now that North Melbourne have chosen a coach who's never had senior experience before? I think what makes it yeah, that
2: probably plays a role in that. But what makes it easier is the way the Carlton faithful have gravitated towards mm. him. So I think the board's initial starting point will be, can we sell David Teague to our members? Now their members are almost going, hey, hey, when are you going to appoint David Teague? So that the dynamic has shifted so far. And I do think Mark McClure is a great barometer of these things. And his emotion surrounding what Teague is doing is reflective of the Carlton faithful. I think you'll get a powerful demonstration of that this weekend. They'll have the ground against the reigning Premier. It'll be, across that three hours, I think it'll be intriguing. It'll be intriguing to see how the team plays, how the the constituency uh, presents itself. I feel like they reckon they have a voice right
6: now. And and the amazing thing is Someday down the track, Sellers will get him as well.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well we call it the Sellerscope. It's, like, it's like the sight that goes on the coach's head. It's the Sellerscope. Um, oh, oh, no. he, he, he's not afraid to go after a caretaker coach either. <laughs> but, but I think they've been... I think if you're looking for just football acumen, he's he's not only he stamped that box. He's he's not just ticked it. He's, he said, that. take that off the table. I've got that. Now, if you're looking for more than that, I think that's where you run into problems. I think that that's what Carlton have always done. Let's get the guy who can run the whole club and can be this to the members and can be this to the marketing department and still win games of football. They, they want, the, you know, the great orator. Just win games of footy and the rest looks after so itself. So you're
6: saying they tried to get a coach who could coach the public as yeah,
5: well. That's, and, the, and to me, that's those people, they, they may get there in the end, but they don't start there. Yeah.
2: Very few start there. Mm. And it is, like, the groundswell, from what I can tell, of the Carlton public 2 Teague is that and was the players. yeah, that was completely unexpected. I think from the starting point.
5: Well, you were talking last week about some of the senior players going to the board and saying, "Look, this guy's doing a great job." Mm, mm. What
2: about so St Kilda tonight in Adelaide? They've got a woeful record at Adelaide Oval, like horrible. <laughs> if is if one can put you over the top, how how? How big would it be for Brett Ratton if he was able to snap that tonight?
6: Don't look at me, David. Well,
2: oh, this
5: is for you. <laughs> You're dude. working down there. Oh, look. Again, it's it's the same sort of discussion with, with, with Reese. I think that it was a good time for them to part company and a good time for Brett to come in and, and some, some winnable games. Um, this is a winnable game. I mean, they've got a team that's coming off beer and pizza, Jared. It, there, is, there is a good time to, to come at them. I do think the Crows will steady. I think they're too good to just keep drifting like they are. Um, but it's a, it's about St Kilda's really important players again. Those those small midfielders that just that this can do it. Um, I think Brett will get the job regardless of what happens with a couple of results. Jared, I don't think he necessarily needs to stack wins together. I think I. I, I really think that he's the perfect fit for them right now. Okay,
2: so there's some rich storylines laced through some of these games today and indeed tomorrow as Round 20 plays its way through in the box next. Joe Danaher, who so in a lot of ways has become the forgotten man of football, will reconnect with the Bombers key forward after the break on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. We are at Marvel Stadium this afternoon. Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. If you're on your way to the footy, don't forget to grab the AFL record this weekend. Still just $5 thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. Sean McKernan out of this game. Joe Danaher's is on his way to join us in the coach's box. it would be great to Catch up with him, Kenny, because he's been the forgotten
5: man of footy. He has. He's been sorely missed at the at the Bombers. and just want to see how he's going personally. I mean, he's been through so much over the last uh, three to four years. And, you know, just have a chat and see where he's at.
6: Oh, he's, yeah, wonderful talent, great family. be interesting to see what he says about his... Um his uncle, how he uh, is, is going at the moment. We hear so much of him in the middle of the year when the when the beanie uh, uh, pushed freeze. and drive comes out with the yeah the big freeze. So it'll be interesting to see what he says about that too.
2: So he'll be with us in a few moments' time. We won't stray too far. Just, just give us a quick snapshot of the opportunity for the Bulldogs heading to the Gabba. So this is the last game of the round. Is I can't wait to sit down
6: best game ever the And round. watch this.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. the opportunity for the Bulldogs. The Lions are in great form. Is what's your view towards Sunday Twilight?
5: Heading up there for that one tomorrow. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this this young midfield. You know, they they they're going to be a powerhouse midfield for a number of years when you look at the ages of uh, Dunkley, Bontempelli, McRae, Hunter. They're going to play a lot. Smith. Bailey Smith just coming in and doing what he's doing so so quickly. They're going to be a powerful midfield for for six or seven years together now. They play differently. It's a quirky sort of uh, model. Everything's short, short, short till they get to a point where they can drop it 30 from goal and then it's get yeah. it in,
6: get it in. And then, then they launch. They've, got, a launch. They've yeah. got the launch pad area, don't they? They're on the other team's uh, 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 plight, they are... Uh, A very, very forward-running, goal-kicking team. And it's lovely to watch Brisbane in this era where you've got so much accent put on defending. Brisbane's accent is on scoring. And I'd love to see them go so deep into September. The thing that worries me about them as they get deeper into the season is well-drilled defensive teams tend to more often than not beat well-drilled offensive teams. It's designed to take them down. So you kind of hope that is not the case and that they somehow, we keep winning their way through because they're, they're so exciting to watch the Brisbane Lions.
2: Well, one man who's exciting to watch, who we haven't seen enough of in recent times, uh, and he's good enough to join us in the box on Crunch Time, is Joe Danaher. Joe, welcome. Thanks
3: for having me, guys. Yeah, cheers.
2: Well, it's a long time since we've been able to catch up with you. So give us the medical rundown first. What have you been through, and what's your condition now?
3: Yep, so I had surgery about eight eight and a bit weeks ago. Um, So progressing really well, feeling really good, and uh, hopefully start running in the next fortnight and uh, slowly build up from there. So... Probably won't be playing a part this season, unfortunately, but um, hopefully it'll give me a chance to have a good crack at pre-season and. And a good year next year.
2: So as far as you're aware, has the surgery done what they promised that it would?
3: Yes, as far as I'm aware, you know, I'm feeling good at the moment. It's taken uh, quite a bit of pain away, which is nice. And, um, you know, I'm progressing through my weights and all those exercises and those sorts of things. So uh, from my point of view, I'm really happy where it's at.
2: How challenging has the period been so long out of the game on the back of interruptions as well?
3: Yeah, look, it's been an interesting period. Obviously, um, you know, not a really enjoyable period from a football point of view, but um, great opportunity to learn and, and deal with other sides of the game. And, um, you know, for me, that's what I'm trying to do. And, um, you know, once I come back,
5: I'll know that, uh, you know, I'll really enjoy playing again. Joe, so with what you know now with the operation this year, should you have gone down that path last year? Should you have should you have had a similar uh, progression in 2019, in 2018?
3: Yeah, look, it's probably an answer um, You know, I won't really know, you know. It's something that I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about. I'm just going to uh, you know, concentrate on moving forward because footy careers are pretty short, as you know, and um, if I spend a lot of time thinking about you know, what could have been or what we could have done, um, I'll be wasting a lot of time. So I'll just look forward, progress forward, and um, hopefully speed this up as quick as I can. With the
6: one-word synopsis we see, we read in the injury list what you're out for, what did the doctors tell you was specifically wrong?
3: I wish it was really simple to describe, but it's it's not. There's probably six or seven different parts to the injury. Is and
6: it your physiology as well?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a bit of wear and tear element to it. There's um, an impact side, an impact injury to it. Um, and, and then there's sort of the, um, you know, the body that I got given, um, you know, not holding up for periods of time. So there's a lot to it um, and I'm hoping now that uh, with the surgery out the way
5: um, you know I can just get on with it and, and hopefully have a have a bit of a clear run from here on in So what are you doing at the moment where are you at you know, with your with your rehab because I know they talk about how hard you're going at it uh, behind the scenes but what do you actually physically doing
3: yeah so my day starts pretty much uh, with the physio every morning um, going through a couple of hours of exercises and that sort of thing rehabilitation type stuff um, a fair bit of cross training uh, weights and, and just trying to get involved in um, all the meetings at the footy club so um, it's progressing um, you know quite well at the minute and, and once I start running in that, in a fortnight or so um, you know I have a little bit more to do but um, you know, right now, sort of re- reasonably tedious sort of stuff, but um, also that's really important.
5: How challenging has that been for you mentally to handle, the, you know, just not being part of the group on a weekly basis, maybe being ostracised like we all feel when you're not part of the 22, you, you, you're basically uh, on the outer. How, how challenging that, has that been for you?
3: Yeah, look, it, it is a little bit of a challenge, but um, at, at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have, Um, you know 44 teammates around me that um, you know can help me through that and you know I can just concentrate on trying to have an impact around the footy club as best I can Um, obviously I'm not out there doing my job and performing for the footy club but there's all these little ways that you can um, you know help drive culture you know help individuals you know work on their game and um, ultimately it's about taking our footy club forward to, to get where we need to get to.
6: So as a player utopia for you what do you want your body to let you do? Like Some some people say, right, I want to turn myself into a Tom Hawkins monster. Some say, I want to strip weight, Sean Burgoyne, and be more agile. When you come back and you play your best footy, what do you want your body to be able to
3: give you? Yeah, look, uh, I just want a little bit of continuity, and that's that's all I want. I think I've got the shape and size that um, will allow me to compete. I've got the, the tank that will allow me to compete, and... Um, you know, all I want to do is be out on the park and, and have an impact for our footy club, and um, that's what this period of time now is about. Uh, is about, about uh, making sure I tick all the little boxes to make sure when I come back that um, there's some sustainable footy ahead. and um, you know, it's not coming in and out like I've been in recent times, and um, you know, I'm very much looking forward to getting back out there and playing consistent seasons of footy for this football club. I
6: don't think you're ever going to put on a great deal of weight.
3: <laughs> Is that yeah. fair to say? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> as much as the coaches will still like me too. No, it's not. It's probably not going to happen.
6: Do they do they actually come to you and say, right, what we can do with you now? We can make because you get a lot of guys who come into football clubs and they're from a different world and they, and they they're all about the back of house. Um, you training you physically and they say we're going to do this with you we're going to turn you into this type Mm. of beast what are you going to turn yourself into
3: yeah look it's interesting you know when guys come in as 17 18 year olds you know there's a there's a vision that a coach has and a vision that a strength um, coach would have and um, you know for me I can sort of see where I'm at now you know I've been in the system um, you know for 7 or 8 years and and I know what um, you know what shape and size I need to be to compete and that's all you need all you need is that opportunity to be out there and compete um, and, and that's when you know your game. Yeah, that's when you know, you know. It takes a while to get there. It took me three or four or five years before I realised I wasn't going to be a big um, big unit out there. I was going to be more of a um, you know, sort of roaming type player and um, you know, play the game um, you know, above the shoulders and make good decisions and, and read the game really well is probably more my strength than um, you know, being a physical monster out there. Yeah.
6: Can I ask you about Uncle Neil? How's he
3: going? Yeah, Neil's going really well, obviously. The uh, the big freeze was another brilliant success and um, he puts in a power of work over that period of time. So, um, you know, after all that all wraps up, he uh, takes a nice break, but he's, uh, he's going really well.
2: How do you go watching the game, Joe? Is it Have you settled into a rhythm of being able to watch it or are you always fidgety going, that's where I should be and I know exactly how this looks? And...
3: Yeah, I'm not too bad. I, I um, Look, I don't enjoy watching the game at the footy uh, you know it's not something I love doing I obviously prefer to be out there playing but as far as nerves and, and that sort of thing go it's um, I'm okay um, it is frustrating when you're up in the box because you can you can see the whole ground you can see um, all the decisions that people should make but you've got to continually remind yourself you know once you're down there it's a little bit more difficult than it is uh, up in the stand so um, you know obviously I'd love to be out there but um, you know watching it is something I'm just going to have to get used to for a bit longer.
5: You've been really honest over the last couple of years about the challenges around football. You had a massive 2017, 65 goals. I mean, it just the, the world was your oyster. What's it like being Joe Danaher day to day? What is it like? I mean, football's not everything to you. You've got other things going on and you you prioritise some, some other things as well. What's it like?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, footy's been such an important part of my life. It's allowed me to do some, some really great things and it's... You know, it's something that um, I probably knew I was always going to do from about 14 or 15 years old, and um, you know, I'm very privileged to be in that position. But I'm fully aware that it's a short career. You know, while you're in it, you've got to maximise it. But um, you know, I've always got my eyes connected on some other things outside and making sure that I've got a, uh, a reasonably balanced lifestyle outside of the game. Well, Joe, fingers crossed for you this time yes. through. Prepare
2: well, and we look forward to seeing you in round one next year. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Joe Danaher with us in the box ahead of Essendon's encounter with Port Adelaide this afternoon. So, Dermot Burton and David King, we round out crunch time. Crunch time's for Honda. Introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for sub life at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Port and Essendon. The Giants and Sydney. Who wins this afternoon, uh, the Bombers or the Power? Bombers just. Bombers. Got airport, <laughs> Comfortably. got
5: to actually. Comfortably. Who knows? you got
6: no idea
2: That's with your are going to be very early
6: case of buyer's who, remorse. Who knows?
2: All right. Enjoy <laughs> your Saturday <laughs> afternoon of footy. <laughs>